0: Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keeley Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And today on Opera for Everyone, we are listening to... We are listening to Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. And our opera featured
1: is Mozart and Salieri. But that's not what we just heard. No, it's not. So what is that? Well, what we just heard is called Flight of the Bumblebee. Ah. And I would not be surprised to know that a lot of people listening, even who are not big classical music fans, recognize this piece because it shows up a lot of places.
0: Like cartoons.
1: Like cartoons. And in fact, one of the places it shows up, it's called, did we say the name? Flight Flight of the Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Um, It it shows up in Glee. You know, every time they get ready to throw a slushie on
0: the people. Oh, is that that, what they play? that's, That's what they play. I'll be darned.
1: That's what they play. It it shows up a lot of places. It shows up in the very first episode of The Muppet Show when Gonzo is trying to eat a tire. (laughs) I love The Muppet Show.
0: I love The Muppet Show, too. But so why are we talking about Flight of the Bumblebee, Pat?
1: Because it is written by uh, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, the uh, author.
0: Composer, composer, uh, yeah. Thank you
1: <laughs> of our of our opera today, Mozart and Salieri, and it's just such a good piece of music. It is.
0: I didn't realize that. Okay, so that was Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, yeah. Yes, Korsakov. Did I pronounce that properly? Yes. Um, and what what is his claim to fame? Is there another besides Flight of the Bumble- Bumblebee? He's a well known Russian composer, oh, he's, isn't
1: he's he? He's got yes, very well known and very prolific. He's he's written over. Or about, I say, uh, 15 operas. and But he's even better known as a, as a composer of orchestral works. However, do you want a little background on Flight I do. of the Bumblebee? I, yes, please.
0: <laughs> yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to to get off topic.
1: Oh, not at all. Not at all. Well, Flight of the Bumblebee is um, actually from an opera. Not the opera that we're featuring today, but it's from an opera um, which is more of a, of a fairy tale. And... I have misplaced the name of that opera, but it's about a, um, it's, it's a fabulous story about a czar mm-hmm. who uh, goes to visit this household. And there are three young women inside and they they say, oh, I wish I could marry the czar. And the first one says, I would cook him a fabulous dinner. And the second one says, oh, I would make him fabulous clothes. And the third one says, I would give him a son who was a brave and strong warrior. And he's overhearing this from outside the door. And he goes in and he grabs the third one. And she becomes his wife.
0: Oh, the Tsarina. And
1: she um, becomes pregnant. Uh-huh. He goes off to war like czars will do. Like czars do. And, um, and the two sisters... Oh, by the way, the, the first one is made into the head cook at the palace. Mm-hmm. And the second one's made into... He gets all uh, three
0: for the price of one. The head weaver. Kinda. Well, I
1: don't know those details, but... <laughs>
0: You know, he is a czar.
1: <laughs> and uh, he goes off to war, leaving behind his pregnant wife, of course. And um, these two two uh, sisters, along with the help of this other person, ha- hatch this scheme to get revenge that they've been looked over. And they say, we're going to make sure that he gets a message when this child is born that it's not human. It's a monster. Sure enough, that that comes to pass. No. And he hears this, and he makes an order, without seeing the wife or the child, makes an order that they are to be thrown into the sea. What? So they're put in a barrel, key to the plot. They're put into a barrel. The barrel's uh, closed shut. They're thrown into the sea. Well, that barrel washes up on an island. They burst out. He seems magically to have grown up at this point. The the, the, boy. the boy, he's magically grown up and he they're on this island and he's looking around for things for the two of them to eat. And uh, he sees a swan who's about to be killed by a predator and he saves the swan. And lo and behold, the swan is magical and a magical city springs up and he is named Prince of the City. He's put in charge and that's all well and good. But he's like, oh, I wish I knew who my father was. And so the swan turns him into a bumblebee. A bumblebee. <laughs> and he flies across the ocean. And I don't know if that's between the second and third act or the third and fourth act. But but right at the end of the act, before we, he, he ends up at the father's palace as a bumblebee, the the piece we just heard, the flight of the bumblebee, is him z- z- zizzing across the ocean in, in a in a frenzied, hurried, bumblebee-like way. To go find his father. To go find his father.
0: Well, I guess it's kinda of sweet, even though the tsar sounds like kinda of not such a nice person. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. On I mean that one. and that also PS must have been a really, really large barrel. Yeah, I, it's 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 a fairy tale. Yeah, back to suspension and disbelief. <laughs> Isn't it funny how fairy tales can be so sort of brutal? Like when you really oh. stop and think about the Well, when the he gets plot. to the
1: palace, he's he's st- he's a bee the whole time. Yeah. When he gets to the palace, he... Um, oh, I'm going to get some of the details wrong. But he basically stings the heck out of the two sisters and their co-conspirator. Because they
0: got him banished. One or
1: both of them are, are stung in the eyeballs even. you, Yeah, not, not happy. Ugh. Not happy. Um, but he does return to the island, just to finish up the story, since you... Like a good story, I do. Uh, he does go back to the island, and at some point along in here, the czar is like, "Oh, I wish I hadn't been so awful to my first wife." <laughs> Takes him a few years to come to that conclusion. And then what? And and he he he, he goes, sends for her. He somehow or another, he ends up on this island, and he goes looking, and he and he meets the sun. And doesn't realize he's the son. Oh. He doesn't realize he's the son, and he um, uh, he looks for he looks for his uh, the wife, and he doesn't, and uh, doesn't find her. And um, ultimately, the swan you know the one who's mm-hmm. been magical, the magical helping, swan. helping the son all along, um, brings her forth, mm-hmm. and he apologizes to her. And um, and the son's like, oh, this is all great. If only I had a wife, and the the, the um, and the
0: swan turns into Papagena,
1: <laughs> essentially, yes, from the Magic Flute. <laughs> His swan turns into a beautiful princess, and um, and the wife forgives the um, Tsar. The, the czar, like improbably, from my point of view. Well,
0: yeah, she's been banished on an island, <laughs> <laughs> thrown
1: into a barrel with her baby son. Weird. Yeah. But she's she's gotten over it, and um, the 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 prince and they the swan princess get married, and they live happily ever after. Because it's a fairy tale. Very convenient for the czar. So that is uh, you know a little bit of the story. Surrounding so did
0: uh, Rimsky-Korsakov come up with this, or was this like an old Russian fairy tale that he then turned into an opera or something?
1: You're not going to believe this when I tell you. What? It's based on a poem.
0: Guess who wrote the poem? Alexander Pushkin. <laughs> Excellent. Are there any other <laughs> writers in Russia besides there Pushkin?
1: <laughs> there are, but his work was uh, so revered. It was so good. Known as the father of Russian literature. Right. That a lot of the musicians grab his work to turn into um, to compositions. They find it inspirational. S- speaking
0: of compositions, yes. shall we discuss what we're doing today and get some music playing? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're listening to Mozart and Salieri because there's a, a National Theater live production coming up here in Jackson in a couple and, weeks, and it's
1: kind of a perennial story. It's been well, it's been out there for quite a long time. <laughs> well, and
0: I remember the the Amadeus, the original film that I saw when I was in sort of junior high.
1: Yeah, and it's it's actually kind of curious to use the word original. Yes, it's not case. original.
0: It's it's definitely not original
1: because it's a it's a film. Based on a play, mm-hmm. which is based on an opera, which is based on a story by
0: Pushkin, by
1: Alexander Pushkin.
0: <laughs> so we begin our opera, which is a very short opera, which is why um, we had
1: time to play Friday. Which of the is why we,
0: why we had time to play Friday the Bumblebee, and why we've been talking so much. But we will be listening to uh, Mozart and Salieri by Nicholas Rimsky-Korsakov, and we open. In Vienna? What? I would imagine.
1: Oh, the the setting of the, yes. Yeah, the
0: setting. The setting is Vienna, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's Mozart, who we all know, and Antonio Salieri, who many people have heard of because of that film, Amadeus. And if you know anything about classical music, you may know a little bit about him. But
1: Or, or perhaps if you listen to our show or podcast on... Um, Le Danaid, written by Salieri. Right. You might have yes. heard his name before. Yes.
0: And if you uh if you didn't happen to catch it live, you can catch it on the podcast. Just go to
1: iTunes, Opera
0: for Everyone. Opera for Everyone, and uh look for Le Danaid by Antonio Salieri. Getting back to the story. So Salieri and Mozart, um again, this is based on a, a novel or a poem, a short story, I guess, by Alexander Pushkin. A drama. And it uh Looks at the relationship between uh, Mozart, who was kind of an up-and-comer, and Salier immediately recognized his genius. And why was this such a object of people's imagine of like fascination, Pat?
1: Well, it's complicated, um, as these things always are. But um, <laughs> we have to go back to Pushkin. <laughs> Pushkin writes this story, and it's first published in 1830. Um, Mozart has died in 18—excuse me, 19—one more time—1791 is when Mozart dies. So it's not terribly long after that, 40 years after that, that Pushkin writes this drama. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's based on a little nugget he's picked up. That um, it's it's sort of going around as an urban myth that Mozart was poisoned by Salieri, mm-hmm. and we can talk a little bit more. And about
0: that was it. never substantiated, by the way. No, and most most scholars believe that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It was just something that was kind of fun to. Let's talk about that a little bit later because I have more to bring to. That. Okay, well, should we should we start? Let's let's start with the music. Let's get. Let's get that going so we can just at least hear a little bit. So this is um, opening. Whoa, that was crazy. Opening (laughs) in um, Salieri's apartment in Vienna, correct? That's right. That's
1: right. It's in Salieri's apartment in Vienna. By the way, the opera itself premieres in 1898 in Moscow because, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, Rimsky-Korsakov is Russian.
0: 1898. Yes. And when did
1: Mozart die? Mozart died in I just had that a second ago, in 1870 70,
0: 1791 1791. So a hundred years later.
1: Yeah, over a hundred years later.. Oh. But as I as I said, it's this is a story that was out there. Mozart's work really never like unlike some of the other composers we just we've discussed on this show, Mozart's work remains popular and and doesn't go into eclipse. And so Mozart is, is still, still a, a,
0: a, a subject of sort of popular exactly. fascination. Yes. All right. That's right. So we open in Salieri's apartment and he's musing about... There is no justice on earth, they say. And that is the title of our first track on... Mozart and Salieri by Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov and you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
2: А стал творить, но в тишине, но в тайне, не смея повыжлять еще о славе. Нередко просидев в келье два-три дня, а забыв и и пища. Пусть постор и слёзы в Я Яшок мой грудь и холодно смотрел, как мысль моя из муки мой рождён. Мелвая дымом исчезали. напряженным постоянством я, наконец, в испустье
3: безграничном
2: достигну степени высокой славы На шел за звучьем своим со страньем, я счастлив был, я наслаждался мирно своим трудом успехом славой, так трудом и успехами друзей. Товарищей моих в искусстве. Дима. Нет, никогда сейчас зависти не знал, кто скажет, чтоб Сальери гордый был когда-нибудь завистником презренным, смеяй людьми растоптанную в мире? Весок и пыль, грызущую бессильна, Никто о ныне со скажу. Я ныне завистник, Я завидую, глубоко, мучительно завидую, А
3: небо,
2: где ж правота, Когда священный дар, когда бессмертный гений не нем награду любви, горящий самоотвержденья Трудов, усердия, молений, прославок Озаряет голову без ужа. All
0: right.
1: Well, that was just a lot of exposition.
0: Salieri. By... Salieri. Yeah, the, that was six minutes of just pretty much Salieri singing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's powerful stuff. He's explaining to us what... what's in his dark heart. <laughs> Um, Well, there's more backstory than that. Um, Well, as we said, the the title is There is No Justice on Earth, They Say. And then he continues, but there's none in heaven either. To me, it's as plain as any simple scale. And he goes on to give the backstory about how he he fell in love with music as Mm -hmm. a child sitting Mm -hmm. in church, and he would just weep tears of joy when he heard the organ playing.
0: Well, and that's interesting because when we were listening to Le Danaid, and I, you know, again, I'm coming to these things pretty cold. Fresh. Yes, fresh, with a fresh perspective when it comes to sort of the historical references and all of those things. And I don't know if you remember, I, I, I mentioned or I made comment that it does seem that there's a certain reverence or humility or sort of this tortured quality to his music that's very palpable as it pertains to sort of God or the spiritual world. Like it, 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 I felt that in listening to his work. See, in, in my case, I always wonder, am I being
1: influenced by the other things I know? Am I hearing that because I'm expecting to hear it?
0: But you're just hearing it. So maybe, maybe that's true. So, so you, you, that is a, that's a thing. That Salieri was kind of this, like, because he seems like tortured and like, like he wants to do the right thing and he's pious. But I've only just begun my story. Okay, of Salieri. Right. <laughs> keep, keep I, I interrupted. Carry on, Pat. Oh no,
1: it's just this, this, this beautiful sort of unburdening for our sake. Um, and again, this all comes. This the, there is no librettist here. No, it's, it's all from Pushkin. It's directly from Pushkin's story. It is Pushkin's words. With just a few minor um, pieces excerpted from the story, but it's which is weird because
0: it's only a 38 minute opera. You would think that they would.
1: Well, it's not put a terribly it. long story. It's right. I mean, and it's written as a play. By the way, it's um, although mm. um, I've read it wasn't intended necessarily to be performed, but it's written as a play with mm. the you know the name and then the dialogue that each character mm-hmm. uh, says. So, so he is explaining to us how how the music moved him right from his youth, and he gave up studying anything else and only wanted to study music and nothing else. And he was uh, denied himself other pleasures. He wasn't interested in in other studies, but pleasures he denied he himself. He didn't play
0: video games. Did not.
1: He didn't <laughs> play football. And and he explains that as he studied, he became. Um, became more skillful. But in this telling, he says, um, my fingers gained a dry, obedient dexterity, my ears, reliability. I deadened the sounds and dissected music like a corpse, proved harmony by algebra. So it's an interesting way to describe his involvement in music.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not calculated. a genius. It's not a genius. It's not a gift. It's it doesn't a, something that he worked, he's worked very hard. hard. I mean, he
1: he has talent, but he's worked very, very, very hard. Um, and he says, and then only then did I dare uh, yield to the bliss of my creative fancy and start to compose, but quietly and in secret. I didn't. I didn't dare to dream of glory or success or anything like that.
0: And this is all that, that that he's saying as he's singing. This is the story as it's That's written. That's what we the, just heard him saying. Right. Okay. If, in case you don't speak Russian. Yeah, <laughs> I don't speak Russian, unfortunately. <laughs> Not a word. Um,
1: <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, this was work for him. It was effort. But, but the truth is, Salieri did achieve success. He, after all, he was court composer to the emperor in Vienna. Mm-hmm. So he he was a successful he was most man. Slouch. Yeah, and he says, by strenuous and dogged perseverance, I finally reached, in the infinities of art, a lofty level. Glory smiled on me, and in the hearts of men I found some resonance to what I had created. I was happy, quietly took joy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> things might change just a little bit. He says, who is there who can say proud Salieri was ever a low thing or an envious man? Hold on to that word, envy, because mm-hmm. it's absolutely key to this story. Um, and he's he's saying, "Yes, I was happy, but he says now, now I am envious, and I envy deeply. I'm racked with envy. Heaven, where is the justice when the holy gift, immortal genius, comes not as reward, as the way he saw it in his mm-hmm. case, mm-hmm. for any burning love or self denial, which he." endured labor diligence or prayer but instead lights its radiance on a mad fool's head one full of pure frivolity Mozart Mozart and at this point Mozart has come close (laughs) and he's kind of sneaking up to go visit his buddy
0: Salieri in his apartment and what do you know, Pat? What is the sort of the age difference between them, roughly? I do because I was surprised to see what the
1: actual age difference was, having those visuals in my head from that um, that film from the eighties, Amadeus, mm-hmm. where like you would guess twenty years or something from looking at that, but no, it's just six years. Six. Salieri is just six years older than Mozart. So they're
0: definitely contemporaries. It's not like they grew up and came up in entirely different times.
1: I mean, no, not at Salieri all.
0: Salieri slightly ahead of Mozart, but he's slightly ahead of Mozart. But Mozart also has the advantage of
1: having been very much supported by his family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, supported, I suppose, is the nice way to put it, or, or possibly pushed or exploited. You know, when you have a very talented young person, parents can respond in different ways, right? Um, but his his family had the means to. Support his musical education,
0: make sure he and if he was very, you know, so he and, and in contrast to Salieri, because just based on kind of what you're hearing through what he's saying is he perhaps was didn't financially certainly didn't have the same support that Mozart did. That that's the impression we're given. Mm-hmm.
1: Certainly, impression the movie gives this gives.
0: He was a little more hard scrabble. He yeah. kind of was out on his own, making his own way. Whereas Mozart came from perhaps a more privileged environment and had more schooling. And I believe
1: more... that's the case. I I could I don't have footnotes to offer you, but I believe that's the case. So anyway, at this point, Mozart enters, um, and and the, and the two of them begin to talk. Before we do that, though, I. Have a thought. We keep referring to this film, yes, Amadeus, yes, and and there's a wonderful little clip of a scene. I was thinking we could play okay. where um, they're interacting, sort of. They're interacting. The two of them are interacting by um, by way of listening to the emperor who has just attended one of Mozart's shows, one of his compositions. And um, and he's he's just congratulated the uh, the female singer on her the beauty of her work, mm-hmm. and now he turns to the composer, young Mozart. young Mozart, who has recently arrived. I mean, the other thing is Mozart has traveled around many many different places before he, he finally lands in Vienna. And
0: he's probably only like 26, 27 when he lands in Vienna.
1: I don't know the exact because he was but only thirty
0: five when he died. So he's young, and and he's quite
1: happy to be in Vienna. Um, in large part because he's out of the, you know, he, then he's no longer under direct control of his father. Right. So that makes him happy. Okay. So let's hear what the, um, what happens. The, you'll hear the audience applauding at the end of this um, piece. And the the emperor will be the one speaking to Mozart. And when he refers to court composer, that's Salieri.
4: Ah, bravo, madame. You are an ornament to our state. Your Majesty.
3: Well, Herr Mozart,
4: a good effort. Oh, well, decidedly that. An excellent effort. You have shown us something... ...quite new tonight. It is new. It is, isn't it, sire? Yes, indeed. So, then you liked it. You, You really liked it, sire. Well, of course I did. It's very good. Uh, Of course, now and then, just just, just now and then, it it, it seemed a touch... um... What do you mean, sire? Well, I mean, uh, occasionally it seems to have... um... Oh, how shall one say? Um... How shall one say director? Too many notes, your majesty. Exactly. Very well put. Too many notes. I don't understand. There are just as many notes, Majesty, as are required, neither more nor less. Well, my dear fellow, there there are, in fact, only so many notes the ear can hear in the course of an evening. I, I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, court composer? Yes. Yes. On the whole, yes, Majesty. This is absurd. My dear young man, don't take it too hard. Your work is ingenious. It's quality work. And there are simply too many notes. That's all. Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. Which few did you have in mind, Majesty?
3: Who's going? my...
0: Well, too many notes. <laughs> which ones would you like me to out, Your Majesty?
1: Oh, it's interesting though, because you see that um, court composer, our friend Salieri, <laughs> is is wanting to. I mean, he knows in his—it's clear on his face, which you obviously can't see on the radio—that he admires his work enormously, but is slightly satisfied that the emperor doesn't entirely realize right. Mozart's genius yeah
0: well and it's interesting I saw so I was just looking up a little bit of information on this film so the Antonio Salieri is played by F. Murray Abraham in this film and I believe he won an Oscar for it d- yeah I don't I don't I don't know he might have done but the the thing that I like I can't think of Salieri without thinking of his face F. Mary Abraham. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's what what like other image synod- do we have? Yeah. And then um, Tom Hulse, is that how you say his name? Yes. Played uh, Mozart. And then here in um, this scene here, Emperor Joseph II is played by Jeffrey Jones. Well, he just looks like all the pictures of, of Joseph II. With <laughs> the, a quite, the foppish quite a good hair with the powdered wig and all the fancy stuff
1: yeah it's it's great anyway i love i love that scene the the too
0: many notes comment has has lived on i think well cuz mozart is the, the word that I, that always comes to mind like a romp it's just always so joyful and there are a lot of notes and
1: it's all kind of all over the place well and it's an interesting choice of words and and the choice of words in the um that i just read here where he refers to frivolity mm mm-hmm. In regards to Mozart, and it's a concept that that makes it seem unserious, and yet Mozart was a deeply serious composer in terms of the quality of his work. He may have been more more fun loving, say than yeah, Salieri, he had a but... joyful
0: approach to it.
1: Yeah, and that, and and you see that in the music, but the joy the the joyfulness of the music should not be mistaken for lack of depth or quality. What mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone does these days, but it's it's an interesting thing to to mention.
0: Shall we get back to our story? Yes, let's get back of to the, the story. So Mozart so comes in. Mozart arrives uh-huh. and to Salieri's says, apartment says, where ah. Salieri was just moping about.
1: Yes, he's just like, oh, hi, guy. I wanted to surprise you. And here I am. And Salieri is, is a little shaken. Well, you're here. Where, where did you, when did you come? It's like
0: oh, just now I had something to show you. Shall we listen to that part? Yeah. So this is um, Mozart arriving to Cellier's apartment, where Cellier is basically like a grumpy older dog, yeah, trying to deal with a puppy that he finds annoying. Uh huh. And Mozart's going to drag in a visitor briefly. Right. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and today's episode is Mozart and Salieri by Nikolai Rimsky (laughs) Korsakov.
2: В ноль сейчас я шел к тебе, нёс кое что тебе я показать, но проходя перед трактиром, вдруг услышал скрипку. Нет мой друг Сальери. смешнее отраду ты ничего не слыхивал, слепой скрипач в трактире разыгрывал i
3: So that
1: violin playing that you hear the not fabulous violin playing that you hear, is this surprise that he's brought to Salieri. A violin player? He's brought a violin player that he found in a tavern. <laughs> and do <laughs> you know why he dragged in a violin player to Salieri's apartment? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. <laughs> well, he was in the tavern, of course, Mozart.
0: Well, yes, and Mozart liked to have a good time. And so one assumes that potentially in this scene he's... Had a few.
1: Possibly. Right. Possibly. <laughs> so he finds this guy because this guy is playing a tune from *Le Noce de Figaro. Ah, oh, right. The Marriage of Figaro. And so Mozart. Which but, is a Mozart opera. Which is, in fact, a Mozart opera. So Marz- Mozart finds this hilarious that this guy is playing his music in the tavern badly on a violin. And he thinks, oh, my dear friend Salieri, he's going to get a laugh about this with me. And so he brings this guy in. And and maybe just for comparison, um, since we happen to have the CD of Noce de Figaro here, yes, maybe we could listen to just a little snatch of the same music yes, from will. the actual opera recorded in modern day.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit um, more tuneful, I think, than yeah. than the violin we've just heard. I think so.
1: Well, there's many different ways to interpret Mozart, aren't there?
0: Who? Wait, so who is was that singing that aria? Which character? Let's have a look. Yeah, let's have a look. That was the. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. It was no It, it might have been Susanna. It, I was going to say it was Susanna, who's like, I'm a pretty housemaid or something.
1: And don't she me.
0: is. She is. <laughs> but but that's a different show. <laughs> Okay, so, he's, so he's, he brings, he he brings this, this violin player from the tavern. Mm-hmm. And he plays Notte a Figaro, and Salieri is like, mm-hmm. no, this, yeah, that is hilarious, well, Mozart.
1: No, it's worse than that. He's incensed. He's offended, and he's angry. What? Why? Well, he says, and you can laugh at that? Let's listen to that. That's our next track on our opera.
0: Oh, all right. Let's listen to that, then. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
2: Salieri, you, oh, Zalveria, is you yourself? No, Мне не смешно, когда фигляр презренный, пародия без чести талигиры. Пожалуйста, постой же, вот тебе и самое здоровье. Ты солдере не в духе. Я приду к тебе в другое время. Что ты мне принёс? Нет, так да, безделицу. Намедни Но не ночью бессонница моя Меня томила, и в голову пришли мне Две-три мысли. Сегодня я их набросал, Хотелось вдвоем не слышать мнение, Но теперь тебе не до меня. Ах, Моцарт, Моцарт, Когда же мне не до тебя? Садись, я слушаю,
0: He wasn't happy. Not
1: at all. He's, he's incensed and offended, I said. <laughs> I don't get why, though. Well, shall I explain?
0: Yeah. I mean, is it because it was in a tavern? Is it because the guy's a bad musician? Is it?
1: Oh, Salieri is very clear about that. He says, um, when he says, don't you think it's funny, my friend Salieri? No, I do not. When Raphael's Madonnas are defiled by worthless daubers. We all know who Raphael is, right? He's a famous Italian Renaissance
0: pe- painter. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, I wouldn't find it funny if someone messed up his paintings um, or if some contemptible buffoon dishonors. It says Alighieri, but that's Dante, author of the yes. Divine Comedy. When someone dishonors his his work with parodies, I don't find that funny either. So he's saying, your music is too great. You know, you're on a plane with the greats. Like Dante and Raphael, and I'm offended to see someone mess up your work. Mm. So it's an interesting—it's an interesting thing, right? He's—he's he's full of admiration for Mozart, but Mozart doesn't take himself as seriously as Salieri takes him seriously, right? So he's offended on Mozart's behalf, but Mozart isn't offended.
0: He's like, "Hey, let's go have another beer." And you're like, "Oh, this is so funny! Look what he did to my music!" Right. <laughs> And so... <laughs> I can see why this is such an interesting character... I mean, it's it's such an interesting character study. I can see why yeah. it captured the imagination of oh. Pushkin. Because they're opposites right. in so many ways. Right.
1: Um, and yet both gifted musically. I mean, as much as Salieri is uh, setting the stage in the beginning of this, or you know, through Pushkin's words... Um, as you know as a plotter he's he's more than a mere plotter he's a very successful plotter like
0: p l o d d e r oh yes that's yes plotter. plotting not Pl- plotting yes although there is a little bit of that going there on there is a as little well. bit too no spoilers no spoilers
1: i think they know what's coming so he see mozart says to him salieri you seem out of sorts and uh Mozart brought him something, and he's like, well, what did, what did you bring me, uh, on, me a piece, more, on a piece of paper? Oh, yeah,
0: more than the violinist. So the violinist right. leaves.
1: Mozart says, oh, it's nothing, just a trifle. When I was up with insomnia the other night, um, I had a few ideas, and I jotted them down. And I, and I want to hear what you think. And he says, but, but it's okay. It's okay. I can see you're busy. I'll leave. Oh, Mozart or Mozart, I, I always have time for you. Sit down. And Mozart sits down at the piano and plays something rapturously beautiful.
0: Oh, are we going to hear that? Well, let's let's listen to the next track. All right. So this is uh, Mozart, I guess playing playing the piano and 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 then there's some singing as well. By the way, just
1: just for clarity's sake, I don't know if we said this yet. The tenor that you're hearing is Mozart, and the baritone
0: is Salieri. Yeah. All right. Okay, here we go. So this is. Um, Imagine then, well, Who? Mozart and Salieri by Nikolai Rimsky korsakov on Opera for Everyone on
2: 891 K 12. Yes, come. А слегка с красоткой Или с другом Хоть с тобой
3: Я весел. Вдруг виденье гробовое
2: Внезапный мрак Или что-нибудь такое. Ну, слушай же,
1: So that part at the end was Mozart at the
0: piano. Got kind of dark. In our opera. It Starts out a little lighter. Yeah, like a little happy, I don't know.
1: Well, he explains. He has explained right before the piano starts playing. um, You know, just imagine uh, being a little bit in love, but not too much. A pretty girl or a friend. And let's say, I feel good. And then all at once. A funereal vision, sudden gloom. And then he plays it, what he's just described with his words. And that's the composition. Do you want to know what Salieri's response to that is? What? Mozart, you were bringing me this music, and you were able to stop by at a tavern to listen to some fool playing your music badly? He says Mozart, you are unworthy of yourself. Salieri's got some issues. He takes his music very seriously. Yeah, clearly, very seriously. At any rate, at any rate you are bringing me this to me. Is the title of our next track? Let's let's well, without
0: further ado, let's listen to that. <laughs>
2: Остановиться у трактира и слушать скрипача слепого? Боже, ты Моцарт недостоин сам себя. Что ж, хорошо, как?
3: Бог,
2: и сам того не знаешь, я знаю, я… По права может быть, но божество мое проголодалось, Послушай, о мы вместе В трактире Золотого льва». Пожалуй, я рад, но дай схожу домой, Сказать же не чтобы меня она К обеду не дожидалась.
1: Well, I don't think you needed to know how to speak Russian to understand how upset
0: Salieri was there. Salieri needs to, like, get a pet or maybe work out a little more. He's got some.
1: <laughs> He's devoted his life to, to music. music. Yes. It's really quite and it's impressive. Just, it's just killing him that this Mozart waltzes in, <laughs> and and he seems to to create this this amazing music with with no effort at all. Um, I just love that quote, Mozart. You are unworthy of yourself. Mm-hmm. And and in this show they or in this story, Mozart's response to that is, Oh, so you like it? <laughs> <laughs> And Salieri, what profundity, what boldness, what perfect form. Mozart, you are a god, and you do not even know it. I know it, though. And Mozart goes, no. Really? Well, maybe. But my divinity is getting hungry. The god inside of me is hungry. Let's go
0: get some shepherd's pie. Let's go get some dinner together. Yeah. Because they're in Austria. They're going to go maybe get some... Bratwurst or spätzle Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, so Salieri says, well, great. Let's go dine together. Let's go to the Golden Lion.
0: Mm-hmm. A tavern, I assume. I, that, I, that sounds good to me. I would like to go to the Golden Lion.
1: Yeah. So he's, he's going to go to the Golden Lion. They're going to go get dinner. And Mozart says, oh, I, that sounds great. Let me just go home. Let my wife know not to expect me for dinner.
0: Wait, Mozart's married? Of course Mozart's married. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, she's critical
1: to the story. Well, And, and you probably need to go re-watch the film because she is a, a key character in the film. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that since the 80s. Well, she is the one, in fact, who uh, puts it out there that possibly Salieri poisoned her husband. Hmm. <laughs> Um, it, it gets complicated because the, the great unfinished work that Mozart has when he dies is his Requiem, which right. we'll be dealt with in this show right. in the
0: second half. Well, how poetic, too, that like the the work that he was working on when he died was a, a Requiem. Exactly. And uh, this work, the
1: film, all of these Mozart and Salieri pieces of art make great use of that. Mm-hmm. But it starts with Constance, his wife, his widow, uh, who puts it out there at a certain point that this Requiem was something that Mozart was composing for himself. Really? Well, she does that, but there's a known person who commissioned the oh, work. Oh, right. I see. But did Mozart know who it was? No. The reason uh, it's believed to be mysterious is that there was a messenger who commissioned it for this man. Mm-hmm. But this man had a habit of commissioning different musicians to compose pieces of music and then claiming that they were his own compositions.
0: Uh, sneaky. So might it have been Salieri?
1: No, no, no. It wasn't no. Salieri. Oh. No, Salieri had too much pride for oh, that right. kind of yeah, nonsense. No, he would, that's, and Salieri that's could, could compose. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, it, so it was it was very sneaky, in fact. Um, it was a nobleman who who wanted to pass this off as his own, was the theory. Who knows, right? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But he, he it is known that he had done it with other composers. So the Requiem is, is an interesting piece of this show, mm-hmm. and it's also a beautiful, interesting piece of Mozart's own music. Scholars now believe that it was left unfinished, but Constanz quietly had another composer complete it so that she could collect the money. That was due for the commission, which she did.
0: All right. Well, as we wrap up the first half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone, let's listen to a little bit of that requiem here on 89.1 KHOL. You're listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast
1: on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode.
0: Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And if you're just tuning in here on 891KHOL in beautiful Jackson, Wyoming, on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Mozart and Salieri. We are, except that piece you just heard is not from Mozart and Salieri, which, by the
1: way, was written by Nikolai Arimsky Korsakov, right. the Russian composer.
0: Yes. No, that. That we was a little bit it. of Mozart. That was a little bit of mo- One of my favorites. Yeah, our old friend, the Queen of the Night. The Queen of the Night and her mm-hmm. aria about how her heart is filled with fury or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, like the fury of hell. Um, yes, and that's from uh, his final opera, Die Zauberflöte.
0: Die Zauberflöte. I love the way you say that, Pat.
1: <laughs> that's about as much German as I can muster. Yeah, that's uh, that's from The Magic Flute.
0: And why did we begin the second half of the show with the magic flute?
1: Well, that's because we wanted to play a little clip here helping to set the scene of the relationship between Mozart and Salieri. And what is the clip, Pat? It's actually a clip from the film. This is not from the opera, um, but it's the dramatic interpretation of some of the story that's presented in the opera which of course comes from the story that Alexander Pushkin wrote. Um, But I think this will be kind of fun. This is towards the very end of the film, and uh, Mozart has just premiered The Magic Flute. Which we
0: just heard the Queen of the Night sing. Exactly. Part of that
1: Exactly. So this has just been premiered, and um, the hope is that this is going to make him a little bit more money than some of his other endeavors have Mm -hmm. done because money was always an issue
0: right and even though Mozart is one of the most famous composers of all time back in the day he was kind of still a starving artist and a little bit of um well he didn't he
1: didn't play the game he wasn't real good about taking on the students he was interested in in the
0: art and also he was kind of a party boy too
1: yeah a little bit of that a little bit of that so in this scene Mozart is very ill and, and by the way, there's no scene even remotely like this in the opera, but we're going to just set the stage because yeah, this, is, this is a little bit of fictional imaginings of what might have happened between Mozart and Salieri. So Mar- Mozart's in his sickbed. Mm-hmm. This is prior to his death. And he looks awful. And he looks awful. He's all like gray and sweaty Hasty and weird. Looking. Yeah. <laughs> and Salieri has come to visit him. His wife is away at this point because mm-hmm. she's a little angry at him. She's a little unwell. She's taken the child, and they've gone to a spa to recover their health. And we've got the the two of them. So let's listen. Let's listen. You are so good to me.
4: Truly. Thank you. Please, please. No, no, I I, I mean to come to my opera. You, You were the only colleague of mine who came. Mozart. Mozart, I would never miss anything you had written. It's just a fortifil. No, no. It's a sublime piece. <laughs> the grandest of it all, name. I tell you, you are the greatest composer known to me.
1: Well, the greatest composer known to me.
0: Those are pretty uh, strong words.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we get back to the opera? Let's get back to the opera. Let's get back to the opera. What do you want to listen to next? Well, when we uh, departed last time, the last bit of action that we had in the opera was Mozart, Uh, has accepted an invitation from Salieri to to go to a tavern, the Golden Lion, and dine Mm -hmm. together with his good friend, (laughs) Salieri. And he's just going to tell his wife he won't be home for dinner. And uh, Salieri is left alone in his apartment once again to share his thoughts with us. And that's what this is. Yes, he begins with, mind you, I'll be waiting for you. Now I can resist my fate no longer.
0: A mm. little bit of foreshadowing. All right, you're listening to Mozart and Salieri by Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov on Opera for Everyone on 891 KHOL.
2: Я избран, чтобы его восстановить, это мы все погибли, мы все жрецы, служитель музыки, не я один с моей глухою славой Пользы, если Моцарт будет жив, и новой высоты еще достигнет, Подымет ли он тем искусство? Нет, оно падет опять, как он исчезнет, наследника нам не оставит. Что пользы в нем? Как не хольферувим, Он несколько сколько занес нам песен райских. Чтоб,
3: взлутив
2: бескрылое желание В нос, чадах праха, после улететь. Так улетай же, чем скорей, тем лучше. Восемнадцать лет ношу его собой, и часто жизнь казалась мне с тех пор, Неснай рай все же велел я, что умирать я мне. Может, жизнь мне принесет Незапные дары Быть может, посетит меня восторг И творческая ночь, и вдохновение, Быть может, новый Гайден сотворит Великое и наслаждение Как пировал я с костем ненавистным Быть может, мнил я Злейшего врага найду Быть может, злейшая обида Меня с над грянет высоты Когда не пропадёшь ты, дар и зоры. И я был прав, и, наконец, нашёл я моего врага.
0: really dramatic.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, so we're, we're once again alone with Salieri in his apartment, and uh, he's letting us know what's on his mind. What's on his mind? Well, what's on his mind is that uh, he can resist his fate no longer. And he says, I must be the one to stop him. <gasps> Otherwise, we all will perish. What? All of us priests of minis- and ministers of music. Not only I with my dull ringing fame, but what use is it if Mozart stays alive and reaches newer summits yet? Will he uplift the art by doing it? No, it will sink again when he is gone because he leaves no successor. So his opinion is that Mozart is so great and he's not really helping to elevate art in general, the art of music in general, that he's just an anomaly. And better
0: cut him down. It's like Mozart's going to throw off the curve on the algebra test. We'll like that. Yeah, So <laughs> we should just lock him in his locker. Yeah. Because otherwise the rest of us are going to fail because Mozart's just going to come in and Break
1: just. Break his pencil and everything. Yes. Yes. Right. Huh. So it's interesting. Salier is a hater. Well, in this depiction he is. Mm-hmm. In this depiction. yeah. Yep. So he says, and then, gonna hate." And then he pulls it out and he says, "Ah, here's the poison." And this I find curious. He says, "For eighteen years I have carried it with me."
0: So has he known Mar- Mozart for eighteen? I, years, I think he carried or? it just in case. Just in case he needed to poison somebody? Just in case he needed to poison someone. Cellulary does have issues. <laughs> I mean, based on the... <laughs> no, we're... Okay, we're reading Pushkin. We're reading Pushkin, version. but, you know, where there's
1: smoke, there's fire, right? Like... Not, not always. Okay. Sometimes there are, are gossip mongers. You're the historical expert, Pat. Well, I trust you. but you know people, right? Sometimes people say things... And particularly as as the years, decades go by. That's true. Things can be said that, you know, make an interesting story, but don't really have any basis in fact. So I don't think you have to go with the smoke and fire okay. belief. Okay. Nevertheless, we're enjoying the story. It is a great story. <laughs> but so he, he says, you know, I would like to end this right now and it's really the only thing i can do i've been carrying this poison with me and i have at last found my enemy he says and this is interesting this this man has made me drink deliciously of rapture so he's he continues to show appreciation for mozart's art talent, at the same time that he's plotting creations. to kill him exactly and now it's time Most cherished gift of love, tonight you pass into the cup of friendship. Well, that's a little creepy, huh? It is creepy. That's the final line of that bit we were just listening to. And that's the final piece. This is a a one-act opera. uh, So that's the final line of scene Scene one one of our opera. And scene. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, this is known as a chamber opera because it's a short opera. And it is it can be just played in a in a single room. I oh, I see. Right. Yeah.
0: And so yeah. it's just like the two uh, performers, the two vocalists. Right. Uh, I mean,
1: it is more musicians on stage to carry out the orchestration of this opera than there is in a partic- in a typical chamber music setting nevertheless they call it a chamber opera because it's short and simple
0: and the staging doesn't necessarily matter as much there's not any acting very
1: well there is acting but the staging is simple
0: there's no guys dressed up like birds
1: yeah no weird disguises no birds yeah no one Salieri descending doesn't from the just sky. put
0: a mustache on and go, oh, you don't recognize me at all, <laughs> Mozart, do you?
1: Not in this particular opera, nope.
0: Nothing like that. Not, Nobody hiding in a closet or under a chair.
1: No. Well, although Mozart does try to hide in the beginning when Salieri is talking to himself, but that's just, you know, that's just so he can giggle when he walks in.
0: Right. Okay. Well, so, so this is the end of scene one. It is. Is it time for opera helmet? <laughs> the, the opera helmet quiz? Um, well, not a lot has really happened, but I'll give it a shot. S- we open, uh, we open in Salieri's apartment in Vienna in sort of 1786, 17, 1871. I don't even know what century I'm in. I think
1: 1786 is a very good choice for a year because that is when, uh,
0: Oh, no, I take it back. No. So we open in Salieri's apartment in Austria, in Vienna, in sort of the late 1700s, somewhere around there. Mozart has arrived to Vienna. He's been there for maybe six or seven years, maybe 10 years. We don't really know. Uh, Mozart is the young up-and-comer, and uh, his music is joyful and um Everyone loves it. And Salieri recognizes Mozart's genius. Um, and even though Salieri has enjoyed some level of success, and he is currently the uh, court composer for Emperor... Joseph II. Joseph II, thank you. Um, who has great hair, great wigs, according to the film. And uh, Salieri is jealous of Mozart but he is very reverent. He, he admires his work so much, and he realizes that um, Mozart is, is, is a true genius, and he is concerned that Mozart's fame uh, and talent are going to eclipse his own. And he's musing about all of this, and Mozart comes by on the way to show him uh, a picture, not a picture, to, to show to play for him a piece of music that he's working on, which has been commissioned, which is the Requiem. And on the way to see Salieri, he stops by a tavern and picks up some random who is playing a song from one of Mozart's operas and badly, I might add, very badly playing on the violin, one of Mozart's operas. Mozart finds this incredibly amusing, tells the guy to come along to play this for Salieri, Salieri is incensed that Mozart wouldn't be offended by such a poor representation of his musical talent. Mozart's like, well, lighten up Salieri. Salieri's like, whatever, you're not taking this seriously. And then Mozart plays the music that he's working on for him, the new Requiem. And Salieri's amazed. And then they decide to go to dinner. Well done. Is that right?
1: Well, and then... They go to the Golden Lion. Oh, and
0: yes, yes, yes. And then the final scene is Mozart says, "I'm just going to pop over and tell my wife Constance not to wait up. I'm not going to be home for dinner. I'll meet you at the Golden Lion and we can chat about music stuff and have something to eat." Right, and then and then Salieri says, "I'm going to kill him." He reveals to us, yeah, that he's gonna his hatred
1: of his true hatred of Mozart. Yeah, and there's
0: something about the arcane gift of love and the chalice of friendship and poison, and it's all creepy and weird. It's very
1: creepy and it's very weird.
0: Yes, Um, I would give that maybe three and a half opera helmets. I don't think it was very good.
1: (laughs) I think I think you did just fine. I think you did just fine. So scene two begins with. What makes you look so gloomy? And this is Salieri speaking to Mozart.
0: Should we just listen to that right away? Let's, Let's just go it. in. Let's We're just going to listen to what makes you so gloomy. And this is Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's Mozart and Salieri, and you're listening to 891 KHOL.
2: Давное вино, а ты молчишь и хмуришься. Признаться, мой реквием меня тревожит. А ты сочиняешь реквием. Давно ли? Давно. So
3: what
1: were they saying, Pat? Well, after Salieri asks Mozart why he looks so gloomy, he's, what? Gloomy? What? (laughs) Hey, Mozart, why the long face? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) And Salieri's like, but something's getting you down because the food is good, the wine is good. And Mozart confesses it's the Requiem.
0: Mm, He's working on the Requiem. He's working on the Requiem. And is it just because it's a kind of a dreary sad piece or is it because he's having a hard time with it or is he no
1: he says it's the strangest thing didn't i tell you
0: no you didn't what well that's the next song oh
1: well let's just listen to that then yeah starting with three weeks ago i came home rather
0: late let's listen to his song so this is mozart singing about why he's so gloomy why the long face
2: Сказали мне, что заходил за мною кто-то,
0: от чего не знаю.
2: Всю ночь я думал, кто бы это был и что ему во мне. На завтра тот же зашел. И не застал опять меня. На третий день Играл я на полу с моим мальчишкой, Кликнули меня, я вышел. Человек, одетый в черном, Учтиво поклонившись, Заказал мне реквием и скрылся. Сел я тотчас и стал писать И стой поры Чёрный человек, а я и рад. Мне было б жаль расстаться с моей работой, хоть совсем готов ушреквием, но между тем я что? Мне совестно признаться в этом, в чём же?
0: Well, Mozart just explained everything. Any Mozart, questions? Mozart, why the long face? <laughs> we haven't listened to too many operas in Russian, have we? Is this the first one we've done? Well, we did do Eugene Onegin. Was that one in Russian? I don't think so. I feel like that was
1: in... That was quite some time ago. I can't actually remember. It was it's a Tchaikovsky opera, so it's by a Russian composer, but I don't remember what, yeah. what the libretto was We'll have to look in. that one up. So why is Mozart so bummed out? Well, he says... <laughs> Three weeks ago, I came home rather late, and someone had been to see me. Who could it be? What does he want from me? And he comes again, and it was a man, all dressed in black. Creepy. Polite. And he ordered a requiem. And then he vanished. Mm. So Mozart says he sat down right away and started writing. And since then, my man in black has not come back again. He says that's okay. I don't. I, I'm. I'm not crazy about the idea of giving up my work, giving it to him. He says, but the requiem is ready now. But meanwhile, I and it's earlier, He says, what? What? I'm ashamed to say, he gives me no rest, night or day. That man in black, he is everywhere behind me, like a shadow.
0: Like literally following him around, or no,
1: figuratively, like in his head. That one. So figuratively in his head, even now he seems to sit here with us at the table as a third person.
0: Mm. Is Mozart losing the thread? Is he like kind of unraveling?
1: Um, not clear, not clear. He's, he's disturbed by the, this mystery man who's commissioned this requiem. I mean, a mystery man, cause commissioning a requiem, that right there is a little creepy, creepy, right? A little spine chilling. And he certainly, certainly has succumbed to that. Interesting, huh? Well, our next song is Salieri singing. Oh, come, come! What sort of childish fright is this? Mm-hmm. So Salieri is saying, "Just get over it." He's like Mozart. Put yourself together. Things. Yeah, you're imagining things.
0: And uh, maybe I, lay off the sauce a little.
1: Maybe lay off the sauce a little. In fact, he's going to write in the beginning of this song that we're going to listen to next. He says, "Don't, don't worry about it. After all." Our good friend Beaumarchais would often say to me, listen, Salieri, old friend, when black thoughts come your way, uncork the champagne or reread The Marriage of Figaro. So you regular listeners of Opera for Everyone have heard us talk about Beaumarchais before.
0: Yeah, Beaumarchais was the guy that worked with Salieri and Danaïd, wasn't he?
1: No, on Marriage of Figaro, he works with Mozart. He's, <gasps> he's the, the playwright. Actually, it doesn't oh, work with Mozart. He's the librettist. He's not the librettist. Uh, Lorenzo de Ponte is the librettist. Right. He's the playwright whose
0: play becomes Mo- uh, Marriage of Figaro. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Are you telling me you don't listen to opera for everyone? I, well, you know, <laughs> Pat, I think we've already established I have a mind like a sieve. There's a lot of things I'm that just they just go in and then you. they just come right out. No, it's absolutely <laughs> true. I, I really am terrified of what's going to happen when I'm like... A little bit older. No, he's a very successful playwright in Paris.
1: And interestingly, he does write a libretto for Salieri, which is very quickly here referenced. He says, oh, yeah, you and Beaumarchais were pals, weren't you? It was for him that you wrote Tarare, a lovely work. Oh, Tarare. Yes. Should we listen to one of those? Oh, we should. We should. But let me just remind people about Beaumarchais, because if you don't know him, he is an interesting character Aside from writing these very successful plays in Paris, and I imagine other 17 somethings, yeah, late 18th century, Mm -hmm. um, he is also in what other great events happened in the late 18th century? Well, for Americans, we should all think, ah, the American Revolution. He's one of these these Frenchmen over in Paris. No, he didn't come over, but he tried to work on the French side to help raise money. For the yeah. American cause. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember you talking about that. Yeah. Maybe get a little sum for himself too. But but definitely he was a very much sympathetic with the American cause, which is not necessarily what all French people
0: were doing at this time under Louis the Sixteenth.
1: So let's listen to a little bit of
0: Terrare. Terrare. All right. So this is a work uh, by Antonio Salieri. And
1: what was the connection with Beaumarchais, Pat? Beaumarchais wrote the libretto and Salieri compose the opera
0: for Torare.
1: oh interesting fact here mm-hmm. he, he of course wrote in French the Italian version of the opera yes
0: Lorenzo da Ponte they all just work together it's like there's like an office and they it's like just <laughs> they <laughs> go around one after another. Was nice huh i'm having a saturday night live sweaty balls moment right now <laughs> yeah that was good
1: that was lovely it's so pretty <laughs> so we should be clear this is a work that salieri composed and by the way all this talk of mozart and salieri and, and obviously mozart is far more famous than salieri and his work is easier to find and you hear it more often right But Salieri is still quite talented, still with us. I mean, you can pull him up for any number of works on Spotify. I just did a glance on Amazon and you can find all kinds of Mm -hmm. CDs of his. You can find things on YouTube. I mean, it's not like Salieri has disappeared off the face of his work. Mm -hmm. His music
0: does endure. Well, and what I thought was interesting just listening to that is you can hear the similarity a little between him and Mozart. I mean, there it opened with that very dramatic, dark opening. But then it quickly transitioned into a very bright, lyrical kind of piece. And I just wonder how much of it is influenced by the time that both of them were composing. You know, that they have a not dissimilar sound. And perhaps how much they influenced one another in terms of their sound and the way that they expressed themselves all interesting questions
1: so um shall we get back to our story yes i think we are back with salieri trying to cheer him up mm-hmm. although we of course we know what's in the back of salieri's
0: mind at this I'm point i'm gonna poison my friend with this chalice of friendship
1: yeah i'm gonna poison him so that he doesn't ruin it for the rest of us he that he shows us how good things can be but we can never achieve it ourselves that's mm-hmm. his fear he's gonna
0: throw off the curve
1: so, in doing this, he, he has sort of a light discussion of his friend Beaumarchais, who says, Oh, have champagne, read a good story, it'll be wonderful. Shall we listen to that song?
0: Let's. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and this is Enough. What is this childish terror on Mozart and Salieri by Nikolai Rimsky korsakov
2: Что за страх, ребяти? Просей пустую думу О марше мне Слушай, брат Сальери Как мысли черные к тебе придут Откупари шампанского бутылку И перечти шенингу Фигарон Да, Бомарше, ведь был тебе приятель Ты для него Тараров сочинил Вещь славную Там есть один мотив Я все твержу его Когда я счастлив Ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла Сальери Чтобы он аршет Кого-то отравил Не думаю Он слишком был смешан Для ремесла такого Он же гений Как ты да я А гений из злодейство Две вещи несовместные Не правда ли Ты думаешь Довольно сыт я. Слушай же, Сальери, мой реквием,
1: Well, things got cheerful for a moment,
0: for just a sec. Now they're going to just take a turn for the worse. <laughs> indeed, indeed.
1: So after their discussion of Beaumarchais and Mozart, reminds him that he wrote that beautiful opera Tarare, and compliments Mozart or Mozart compliments Salieri on what a wonderful piece of work it is,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which I'm sure makes Salieri feel a little bit happy and or guilty. And then he says, "I always hum it to myself when I'm happy." And he hums a little bit. You, those were the la la laws in there. Oh right, yeah. And then he just sort of curiously turns to Salieri and says, "Hey, Salieri, is it true that Beaumarchais once poisoned someone?" And Salieri's like, uh, "I don't think so. Uh... <laughs> no, no, he's he's a really nice guy. He he no, nah, he didn't do that. No, nope, nope." <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. So interesting, Mozart's reply here is, well, you're right, of course. He was a genius, like you and me. Mm. And genius and villainy are two things that are incompatible, aren't they? Oh, Mozart, you're so naive. So genius and villainy don't go together, proclaims Mozart. And now you can imagine the thoughts swirling around in Salieri's brain. I'm going to kill you. He's like, wait. You just called me genius, but I'm about to do this terribly villainous thing. Does that mean, wait, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) And so Mozart's not looking. And at this moment, not prior, this is when he pours the poison into Mozart's
0: drink. And we should say that this is a work of fiction. This is a work of fiction. Written by Alexander Pushkin. Who heard the rumors. Who heard the rumors, and it was written approximately 100 years after Mozart's death. It was written approximately 40 years. After. 40 years. The, <laughs> the 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 opera happened uh, about 100 years after Mozart's death. Yeah. The opera a, 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 was written. Yes, that's right. Ish, give or take. That's I, right. We know my tendency to conflate centuries. But no problem. No problem. Okay. So... This is the theory. We don't know whether or not it was true, but... We think it's not. We think it's not true. But it's but, really good drama. But in this story, Pushkin, or excuse me, Salieri poisons
1: Mozart. In this story, right. No, I, we, we don't actually think this is true. It's been kind of a blot on Salieri's name, which in modern times became the stronger with this play, Amadeus, and then the film Amadeus. Right. Yes, indeed.
0: Okay, so he poisons the, the drink, and then what happens?
1: Oh, yes. And so Mozart goes back to the table, grabs his glass. To your health, my friend, and to the loyal bond that binds together Mozart and Salieri, sons of harmony. So here's Mozart just totally doing the brotherly thing with him. Right. Proclaiming them equals, essentially. Right. In this dramatization. And so he toasts, he begins to drink, and Salieri looks back at him and he's like, stop, stop, how could you drink? it's already too late. Oh, how could you drink without me?
0: And it's all too late. Dun, dun, dun. So then Mozart sits down at the piano. He says, listen, Salieri, I want to play you some of this requiem I was telling you about. So poetic. Yes. So this is Mozart playing his requiem for Salieri before it's even been published, before it's finished. It's a work in progress. And this is He's just gonna play it here in this tavern, the Golden Lion, after he just drank poison. Was
1: Mozart's Requiem. It certainly was. And there was a little bit of opera magic going on there with the choir,
0: but wow, powerful, huh? Quite dramatic. Quite dramatic. Which never happens in opera drama. Mm <laughs> hmm. For those of you who are just tuning in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1KHOL. And we should mention... We have good news if you missed the beginning. If you missed the beginning, you can catch yourself up by listening to our podcast. Or if you ever find it inconvenient to listen during the bro- for the broadcast. Or if you're going on a road trip and you need hours and hours... Oh, we'd love to keep you company. I love road trips. <laughs> <laughs> of content, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, just by searching for Opera for Everyone. Opera for Everyone. And I think this is our eighteenth episode, Pat. My, maybe even nineteenth. Wow. Maybe even twentieth. No wonder we can't keep. We're track so of prolific. Them all. Yes, We're so indeed. prolific. Wow. Oh, great! But let's get back to the back to the story and back to the music. All right. We so- just listened to Mozart's Requiem. Mozart has been poisoned by his good friend. I'm doing air quotes (laughs) quotes. Salieri. Yeah. And
1: after this Requiem plays, Mozart turns and looks at Salieri and says, You're weeping. And Salieri is like, It's just
0: so beautiful. It's just it's just such a good composer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really? And he also No, (laughs) I mean, that's there, but he also says These are tears I've never shed before, painful but welcome, as if I have discharged a heavy duty, as if the healing knife had cut away away a throbbing limb. Heavy
0: duty. Sorry.
3: (laughs) He (laughs) said (laughs) as if I I discharged
0: a heavy duty. (laughs) Sorry. Can't take you anywhere. (laughs) This is a
1: family-friendly show. Yes, yes. And he says, but play on, make haste. Uh, And... And he says, saturate my soul with sounds. And our next piece is, if all could feel like you, the power of harmony. That's what Mozart says to Salieri. But he says, ah, but no, the world couldn't go on if they could feel music the way you do. Because if people could all feel music the way you do, my friend Salieri, the world wouldn't go on.
0: No one would work and everyone would just indulge themselves in art. I do really wonder what Salieri's deal was. Because you can feel it. You can feel it in his music. It's just so intense. Like he's a super feeler. You know how there's super tasters yes. whose taste buds are stronger than most people. And so they only eat like plain chicken and plain potatoes. Have you heard this? I've heard of super tasters. I thought
1: those were people who had many more tastes that they could discern. I didn't realize it just becomes too intense
0: for them. Mm-hmm. Huh. Didn't know that. Yeah. I think Salieri was a super feeler. He had so many feels. He just couldn't stop feeling the feels. (laughs) All right, let's listen to the second to the last track in Nikolai Rimsky, Korsakov's Mozart and Salieri on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
2: Как будто тяжкий совершил я долг, Как будто нож целебный Мне отсек, страдавший тлен. Друг моцар, Замечай их, продолжай, спеши, И наполнить звуками мне душу. Когда бы все так чувствовали силу гармонии, Тогда бы не мог я существовать. здоров мне что-то
0: What do you think about all that? Uh, I think that was, it was very dramatic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely was. So Mozart says more in his piece than just the world couldn't go on if everyone were like you and I, where we appreciate art so well. He does want to say, you know, we're lucky, Salieri, you and I. We're so lucky. And he calls, even though they both work very hard at their art and their craft, we are happy idlers who care not for contemptible usefulness, but we only care for beauty. And then he goes, yeah, but I think I'm really tired right now. I'm feeling really sleepy. I feel weird. Yeah, so farewell.
0: Salieri says Good (laughs) butanya. So this is the final track of the opera. We're just gonna go ahead and listen to it and then Pat will come back and tell you some more interesting things. Yeah,
1: there's some good little nuggets in this.
0: Nuggets.
2: Он прав И я не гений Гений злодейства Две вещи несовместные Неправда обонарочи Или это сказка тупой Бессмысленной толпы И не был Убийцею создатель Ватикана
1: So Mozart's dead. Well, we don't see that in the show, but we assume. We assume. In fact, after he says, I'm going home, I need to sleep, and he exits, this final song begins with the line, Yes, you will sleep forever.
0: Uh
1: And then he turns back to himself. Uh Uh-huh. And he says, but... But is he right? Am I no genius? And he's stuck on that idea of genius and villainy not being compatible with each other. He says, right. genius and villainy are two things incompatible, quoting Mozart. Not true, he says, but what about Bonarati? And you know who that
0: is. Bonarati. Well, bona is no, no, like no, no. good. It, it's a name. It's a name. Oh.
1: That's Michelangelo's last
0: name. Is that right? Yes. You see, nobody knows his, la- I mean, he's like Cher or Madonna. Like, nobody knows their last name. It, it shows up in some books.
1: It could ring a bell for he, some people, but. You're so
0: smart, pat. So
1: <laughs> oh, you're so sweet to you're me. You're so smart. <laughs> I read a little bit, I read a little <laughs> bit, but interesting. So, uh, and I'm like, what about Bonarotti? And I'm like, well, what, what about Michelangelo? What about him? And it was a hard search to figure out what he was referencing. I couldn't find anything. Oh. in a lot of the, I just, I just kept at it.
0: And and what um, did your sleuthing, your super sleuthing, well, apparently reveal. there was this
1: long-standing rumor. Mm-hmm. That Michelangelo killed a man in order to use his corpse to study anatomy. What? Yeah, yeah. That and so that was. I mean, it's unlikely to have been true, and it's pretty well a debunked rumor. But it's believed that he he killed a man so that because you know just as a lot of painters would study. Uh, yeah, anatomy
0: for sure. Yeah,
1: to to get the the musculature, musculature right. And there's a huge theory that um, that's part of why the Mona Lisa. Is so amazing is because the underlying muscle structure was so well understood.
0: Interesting. And
1: isn't it though? But he says, he says, What about Bonorati? Or is that just a fable of the stupid senseless crowd? And the Vatican's creator was no murderer. And that is in fact the last sung line of the opera to leave us to to churn in that thought. Are genius and villainy incompatible? And it's an interesting thing. I mean, we certainly talk about art and the people who create art, even in the modern world, don't we?
0: Yeah. There's a moral to this story. Are villainy and genius incompatible? Right. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> it's
1: very interesting. You know, again, we have to go back to Pushkin because these are his, his words
0: and his story. So interesting.
1: There's a lot there.
0: All right. Well, if you like Opera for Everyone, I hope that you will check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and subscribe and tell us what you think. And also, of course, tune in every Sunday from 9 to 11 on KHOL. And on today's program, we're going to go out. Mountain time. Mountain time. Absolutely. You can also (laughs) stream it live. So for today's episode, we're going to go out on Mozart's Requiem. Anything else to say about that, Pat? I think we've covered it. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keeley Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera, opera for, for Everyone. everyone.